following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. The reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 16 verses 21 to 28. That's Matthew chapter 16 verses 21 to 28 and I'm reading from the NIV. Jesus predicts his death. From that time on Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. morning good to be with you again let's pray before we look at God's word father I pray by your Holy Spirit you will teach us what it means to take up our cross as we follow you speak to us by your spirit deep into our hearts I pray Amen. so Jesus said take up your cross and follow me I did that about 46 years ago and to be honest I didn't have the faintest idea what it meant, I'd never heard of such a thing, I had no idea of the implications that that would have for me. Until I was about 26 years old I had not the remotest interest in God, Jesus, religion of any kind, any sort. I was brought up in a, a non-church-going family, grew up in one of the roughest areas of Hull and my language, my morals, my ethics um, followed the culture of the day right through to starting work as an electrician, working on building sites, uh, in shipyards, in factories. Um, my language followed that culture. And my life was basically about me. 
until around about the 70s and I met Angie and life became about me, but me and Angie. And a little bit later on in the 70s, life's still predominantly about me, uh, but about me and Angie and the children. I entered a period of about three months where uh, my sleeping pattern was terrible and I developed a real fear of the darkness. Not ghosts or, or ghoulies or anything evil, nothing like that, just the darkness itself terrified me. And that took its toll on me. I began to get very um, ratty with the kids um, and Angie suggested well, no more instructed that I should go and see the doctor. And I did. And the guy was someone I'd never met before. And uh, with great audacity, um, he started speaking to me about God and Jesus and about faith and peace. And he gave me some medication and off I went. But that night I laid in bed in the dark and... For the first time I started thinking about what he'd said and I made a deal with God basically. I said if you stop all of this happening then I'm going to have to give you some serious thought. The following morning I awoke and I just knew my life had changed. The only way I can describe it and I struggle to describe it, it was like I was wearing a, a lead lined overcoat that I'd suddenly taken off and the fear of darkness just went and it was a couple of weeks or so after this that now I would say prompted by the spirit but I remembered I'd made a deal with God he'd kept his side of that deal so I had to start thinking about him nobody was more shocked than Angie um, when I suggest one Sunday morning we go to church. And I've just grown from there and um, I bless the Lord for uh, turning up in my life. The Holy Spirit has, um, has changed much, but there's still much to change. I like to call myself a work in progress under new management. So all of this was floating around in my head as I prepared for uh, this sermon. And I think what Jesus was saying to the disciples is something along the lines of what I've just shared with you about my faith journey. Let's take a, a closer look at this passage then. I love Peter. I don't know whether it's because I see my impetuousness in him. I know I see um, the opening of mouth and finding a size nine already in there. So I was quite taken aback with Jesus' response to, to poor Peter. Last week Tom took us through uh, that passage that just preceded this where Peter declared that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. And Peter was called blessed because he'd understood that much. 
And yet here in this day's passage, a week in our time, maybe hours, maybe just a few days in Jesus and Peter's time, but suddenly Peter is called uh, an instrument of Satan. What happened? How did Peter go from being uh, called blessed to being told to get behind him, Satan? What happened? Peter had his wrong specs on, spiritually, that is. Jesus had just been talking very bluntly, very clearly, about his coming death, his crucifixion. And, though Peter missed it completely, I think, his resurrection. Being a good Jew, having declared Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the idea of the Messiah being crucified was abhorrent, was an anathema. You can't do this over my dead body. Something Peter would say again um, in Gethsemane, over my dead body. Jesus turns to the disciples with his spiritual uh, spec savers eye test and explain to the twelve just how wrong you're seeing things. Look, says Jesus, you've acknowledged me as the Messiah, brilliant, but that revelation has massive implications for me, Jesus, and for you, Peter. If you're going to follow me, there's a lot of dying to be done. You need to take up your cross. At this point in my head, I hear Peter and the disciples going, whoa, whoa, hang on, hang on, cross. You see, for them, a cross wasn't a piece of jewellery worn around the neck or in the ear or tattooed on the arm or wherever people get tattoos. Cross was a large wooden means of execution. You didn't do anything with a cross but die. And here was Jesus saying, if you want to follow me, if you want to be what would become known as a Christian, you have to take up your cross and follow me. You need to die on it. Praise God, this isn't about us having to physically take up a cross and die. Jesus has already done that in his body on the cross. Hallelujah. Now this is a spiritual thing. We have to lose our life, our old self, to gain a new life, a new self, a new Christ-centred me. As I read these words, I heard all sorts of echoes and resonances. I hear St. Paul with one of my um, 
favourite verses. It's a challenging verse. It's a liberating verse. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer me living, but Christ living in me and through me. Galatians 2.20 I hear God through Moses saying to the Israelites, Love the Lord your God, walk in his ways, make a choice today, choose blessings or curses, choose life or death. Deuteronomy chapter 30. I hear Joshua as the Israelites were about to enter the promised land, make a choice. Stop worshipping false gods. Follow Yahweh and serve the Lord. But if that's too hard, if that's undesirable, then go your own way. Follow the world, but don't sit on the fence. Make a choice. As for me and my family, says Joshua, we will serve the Lord. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a disciple, a Christian, there are choices to be made. We have to, to stop putting self in the centre. Stop worrying about our own self-preservation our popularity. Jesus says, trust me, follow me, put me and my kingdom first and you'll have life in all its fullness. But choose self on the throne and you get whatever the world deems good. By the way, that's not always good at all. So what might this taking up the cross look like? Well, your cross will be different to my cross. And my cross will be different to the next person's cross. Each one will be different. It's allowing the Spirit to show us, to reveal to us, those things which we put before God and his kingdom. Those things where we're choosing the world's way, not Christ's way. We have to choose and keep on choosing. One thing as a Christian we can't do, shouldn't do, is sit on a fence. If this is not good for you, then choose, said Joshua, and keep on choosing. Sometimes it will be big decisions we have to make about the world's way or Christ's way. Often it's much smaller things, the little ingrained things, the things that we've been clinging on to for quite a while.
this dying to self, this taking up one's cross, takes time. It's a lifetime dying. I love the story of um, Wesley preached a sermon on humility. And at the end of the service, as he stood at the chapel door saying goodbye to people, uh, a lady, just happened to be quite seriously a little old lady, approached him and said, I have been a Christian all my life and I have been humble all of that time. Thank you for your sermon this morning. Very quickly, Wesley turned to her and said, and you must be really proud of that. To which she smiled and said, oh, I am. Dying to self. But each time we take up our cross, each time we die a little bit more to self, we are set even more free. If it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I live is the life of Christ, then I'm set free from worrying about dying and death. Oh, it might worry me at times of how I die, but death itself? What about being set free from the fear of addiction? Addiction to materialism. If it's not me at the centre of my universe, then maybe I need less. Free from being a slave to those same old sins. If we crucify them, if in Christ we have nailed them to the cross, they're dead. Dead things have no power, no hold. If I take up my cross and follow Christ, I'm set free from guilt, I'm set free from a lack of self-worth. I'm set free from living under condemnation and I'm released. I'm set free to live eternally in the presence of God, great and mighty God and King. It starts with taking a small step. That's all it is. It's a step. It's about coming to Jesus and accepting that he died for us, for me, for you. That we can live his life, Jesus living in us and through us, setting us free. I love that verse, when the sun sets you free, when Jesus sets you free shall be free indeed.
sitting on the fence. The danger is you fall off the wrong side. Today is the day for making a choice. Dying to self daily, regularly, being set free in Christ, through Christ, by Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your death on the cross, that we don't physically have to suffer that. Thank you that you give us new life by your Holy Spirit. Help us to choose today and every day to live that life, the resurrected life, the life of freedom. And may we do it for your glory, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.